So, uh, Lisa, thank you very much for joining us for the Empowering Podcast. You're joining joining some of the political elite. We started off with President Mary McAleese, and then we had Maid McGuinness, uh, our uh, financial uh, commissioner. And now, of course, we have you, and uh, we're delighted to have you, Lisa. And you're uh, an Irish Fianna Fáil politician, now leader of the Senate, isn't that right? You were yeah, a barrister as well. Isn't that correct? Mm-hmm. And um, and you know we're we're so proud of all the work that you've done for women's health in particular. But do you want to tell us something about your life first of all, Lisa, and then we will lead into that? Yeah, thanks, Mary. So yeah, I'm currently leader of the Shannon. I took over in December when all of the changeover happened. So I mm-hmm. um, succeeded Regina Doherty in in the role. Um, and you're right. I started off my 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 working career as a barrister, and I got into politics. Um, elected to the local authority in 2014 mm-hmm. and went on then to become a TD for Mayo and then subsequently a senator. So um, a little while at the politics now um, and have served mm-hmm. in three different locations um, at this stage. Um, yeah, so and, and then maybe a little bit about my personal um, background. I'm from Castlebar and Mayo and that's where I live with my fiancé and my son Louis, who will oh, be hello. three actually in, in, in April. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, bu- it's busy, busy life, yes, of course um, it you is. know. Balancing, like every working parent, balancing home and work and travel and all the rest of it. But uh, it's great, you know. Fabulous. And you're you're a Mayo we're forever supporting you in the football. And obviously ladies football (laughs) has been fantastic in Mayo. And that's not not said enough how much they've achieved. But with the men's football, we're hoping they'll do it for us, Lisa. So that's uh, that's a good one, obviously. It is, and it's good on you for pointing out the, the the women's football because we've done we've done fantastic in that space. We've got plenty of all Ireland all Ireland medals uh, for for ladies football, and I yeah. played myself for years and years. I played Did with Karen Car- Car- was my club, yeah. Oh, so very I played good. alongside Cora Staunton and all all oh, those. Cora is just magnificent, um, isn't she? She's oh, she's amazing. Fabulous Amazing. Athlete, yeah. I'm delighted to see that she's getting the accolades that she deserves. I love to see it. You pointed out there, Lisa, where, um, you know, you have a little son, Louis, and so many brilliant women, unfortunately, have left politics because it's so difficult to juggle because you're doing late night doll sessions. And even you now are doing a vote as, as we speak, you know, at nighttime that we're recording this at eight o'clock at night. So, it, you know, it is very, very hard for women, isn't it? Particularly with young children. And obviously men want to be there as well. So it's hard for all people it's something that needs to be looked at doesn't it to try and keep women and and young fathers in in political life yeah so you're you're right in that you know i think i suppose our society is changing and you know dads definitely want more time at home with their kids mm-hmm. but but i do think it's that bit tougher for mums if Without i can say question. that and maybe Without you know question. maybe yeah Maybe it's not okay to say that now nowadays, but I, I do think it's it's a different space. It's different mm-hmm. when you when you're when you're a mom, and you know it's never going to be the ideal job in terms of work life balance and balancing mm-hmm. home life. It just isn't. But we can make improvements. Mm-hmm. I think for someone like me, my biggest challenge is that I live in the west of Ireland and I work in the east coast. Yeah. So you know it's the distance really. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's you're not there for. The mornings you're not there to put them to bed during the week um so you know if you i think if you're doing the job and you're living in dublin or commuter belt and you get to go home at night even if it's uh, late exactly. it's a di- it's a different job than if you're a rural representative and you're having to travel and, and live away from home every week for those few nights so you know that, that and that's the thing you can't really do anything about if we're honest about it uh, so when i'm up here i actually quite i prefer the late nights when i'm here because i'm here anyways and i prefer to get as much as i can get done as, as i can 
for the, the two to three days that I'm here during the week because it mm-hmm. buys me time when I'm at home then. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully Zoom might have helped a little bit because, you know, they accepted you during COVID, Lisa. So maybe they might just accept it a bit more and allow people like yourselves who are in, you know, long distance away from the doll, that that might just be a, a little more re- reasonable for you and for us. Yeah, I think the online um, space and remote working has definitely been a game changer. It's made the job that bit easier. You, you can mm-hmm. do a lot more meetings online. It hasn't really changed the parliamentary work. We still okay. have to be physically present. Mm-hmm. I think where we could definitely look at changes is our committee meetings because mm-hmm. we, aside from our, our work in the Shannon and the Dáil in the Chamber, you've got your committee work. So everybody's on at least one committee, if not two, maybe three. Mm-hmm. If you could join those remotely, Um, as opposed to having to be in the committee room, that would be a huge help. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have the unusual position where I've been at committee meetings where, you know, MLAs from Northern Ireland can join and participate in our committee meetings remotely, but we can't. So we've been told, um, you know, we've been advised from the Oireachtas that constitutional amendments will be required to facilitate Mm -hmm. that. So that is being looked at, um, Mm. you know, and the, 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 I suppose the hours that, that you work but you know there are other professions I have a good friend of mine she's a nurse she works 12 hour shifts yes. and there are days that she's and gone in the morning before well. her kids yes absolutely yeah. she's yeah. gone before her kids are up and she's yeah. when she gets yeah. home they're in Challenge bed so it's not for all, for all of us yes it yeah, is. it's not yeah. the only job where the yeah. hours are, but I suppose are it's, it's good that we're talking about it Lisa because you're in the area where you can change things and yeah. what's lovely is that you we're all feeding into you and that's one of the reasons we're having this podcast so um, you know we're, you've already created huge change we'll talk about that later so I think that, you know, people are more open to change now and they realize that we have to change and mm-hmm. society, as you said, is changing. So I think, I think it, you know, gone is the day where it just, we have to do it the old way. We have to look at other ways as well, don't we? We do. I think um, certainly in this house, having spoken to former Roxas members that had their kids when they were in here, maybe going back 10, 15, 20 years ago, it's a different space. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, I think you know, members of the Iraqis now are far more open about having, you know, home responsibilities and children. Um, and it's just, it's a more, it's maybe it's a more caring environment, if yes. I can put it that way. Yes, and yes, it, yeah, it's yeah. definitely more tolerated and it's more acceptable to say, you know, I, I can't make that meeting or I need to push out. I have to get the kids from school or I need to get back for the play or, or whatever it might be. So mm-hmm. it definitely is, it's becoming a, a more caring and family friendly workplace because I think, as because a, women as are working outside as well, and they're 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 saying, "Well, we have to do it." So therefore, you've got to 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 give us the backup. I think that's one of the big reasons, isn't it? Yeah, I think you've got more you've got more female Oireachtas members in both houses, yeah. and that's having an impact on how the place is run and the kind of debates we're having. So it's it, the change that's is happening. Right. It's slow, but it, it is happening. Good girl. And Lisa, why did you go into politics? What was the your desire to get into politics? A lot of barristers well, and legal people do, obviously, but what, what what made you do it, or is there a is this in your family or was this something you wanted just to, to do yourself to create change or? Well, I, I never actually had a desire to, to enter politics. It was not in it was not in the life plan, that is for sure. Yeah. Um, no, I had a, an unusual entry into politics. I was in what was known back then as the FCA or what's now yeah. known as the Reserve Defence Forces. Yeah. And I was in that organisation for thir- 13 years. So that was a big part of my life growing up. Oh, how did you get into that, Lisa? Uh, my neighbour told me to go and join. So off I went into the local barracks when I was old enough to join up. I didn't really okay. know what it was and I joined, but it was yeah. exciting and I loved yeah. it. And I spent a long time in the organisation. So it was actually through a friend of mine in that in that 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 walk of my life that he invited me to a local Fianna Fáil common meeting. And as I say, the rest is history. I kind of I kind of fell into it that way. Oh, and then in terms of contesting elections, 
that again, that wasn't in the plan. I was training to be a barrister and I had plans to travel and all of that. And just, I suppose, sometimes you're in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. and an opportunity presents. And I was asked, would I be interested in contesting the 2011 general election? And I thought about it for three days and I said, yes. And off I went. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I was, it's in my nature to kind of go for things Challenge and just yourself, go yeah. with it. Yeah. Yes. And yes, once, yes. You, once you get in, you kind of get the bug. And I love it. Yeah. So um, fantastic. And Lisa, what is your like? I mean, obviously, so many people go in with so many good intentions and then they find it hard to do it. What do you think you are going to achieve? And as we will talk about what you've done for women's health and what you're going to do very shortly. But but what are the things that that you, you know, when you get in there? I know it's it's a slow changing system, but, but what are you hoping to achieve? Yeah, you're right. It, it is slow changing and you learn that quickly, actually, when yeah. you get in here, that yeah. things don't just happen. I think when I was a member of the local authority, you could make a decision and you could affect change that bit quicker, albeit mm-hmm. on a smaller scale. Um, so I think you have to be realistic about what you can achieve. You can't change everything, mm. uh, nor should you want to change everything. So mm. it's about picking a couple of key things that you want to work on. You've mentioned women's health. I've made that a priority of mine for the last number of years. Brilliant. And it's, you know, and, and, and I'm achieving things in that and things are changing. I'm fortunate yeah. enough that I'm in a government party, that my colleague is the Minister for Health. So all of these things line yeah. up to yeah. make it easier for you to actually bring your ideas and, and get them delivered. Okay. So that and being being an active voice for my region, for the West and the Northwest, which mm-hmm. I think has very often, as I would as, as I would regularly say, been left at the back of the queue. We often are kind mm. of lagging behind in all the different yes. metrics you look yeah. at. Yeah. Um, you know, people may be aware that um, the EU Commission has classed our region as a region in transition. So we're still developing where the rest of the country is considered developed. developed so it's those yeah. types of issues, so things like rural transport, communications, connectivity, mm-hmm. opportunities for people in my region and in my area. Mm. That would be my other, um, my other key kind of area that I focus on. So they're quite different, okay. but they're areas that I care about, that I'm passionate about, that I have an interest in and that I think that I can actually achieve things in. Very good. And you're reminding me very much of Maureen McGuinness, who I know very well. And you've got that real determination, that raw determination, but also very good communication skills, Lisa. And of course, that, that's what you bring to the table, isn't it? And that, that's what, why, why, how you create change. What was the reason that you got involved in women's health? What, what made you do that, apart from the fact that you're female? What was the reason that made you see that as a major issue? There was a couple of things. My sister um, suffers very badly with endometriosis. She's mm-hmm. stage four. So mm-hmm. we've been battling dreadful with that. condition that needs to be prevented. Yes. Yeah. D- dreadful condition. You actually can't prevent it because you're, it's, a, it's a disease that can't be cured, mm-hmm. but you can certainly lessen its impact if it's caught early and treated properly. That, um, so that, That's the real thing. And, and we think, Lisa, because there's so little research in it that we can probably make huge efforts into because so, so little was done with prevention and with... So little. Yeah. 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 I think because you'll note this mirror because it's connected to the menstrual cycle and for many, many years women were told if you've got a painful period that's just your lot and you just need to get over it. So working on that issue for the last number of years really focused my mind on the whole area of women's health. I think to be honest, you know, having a baby Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, and, and yeah, going going through yeah. um, going through the health service and accessing the health service and seeing all of that side of things, um, you know, I think so. So personal experience really, and That's seeing fantastic. the deficiencies, and you know, re- just kind of nearly going down a rabbit hole at times, reading different pieces of research around um, 
you know, the the, the bias that the, in, in healthcare that exists mm-hmm. towards women. Um, you, you, you might be aware of this. I'm sure you are, Mary, that, you know, women, when they have a heart attack, are often misdiagnosed. Totally. Um, yeah, women totally. are I'm under on the advisory group for women's heart disease as a result. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, go on, women, yeah. are, um, women are very often under-prescribed pain medication. Yes, yeah. So there's lots of things in that space where... Yeah, well, women have been fobbed off for years, really. And, yeah. of course, now we're just uh, we're raising our voice and we're saying we're not going to be shut up. And, and this is why we are... We're we are thankfully which is good yeah but but it created so, uh, people like you it created all of us to come together and 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 talk about women's health and sort of say we're not going to be we're not going to go away and you've got to listen to us and there has to be change doesn't it it takes that sort of um focus of women to supporting each other to say this is what we're going to achieve doesn't it everyone it has does to and I, with it. They do. And I, I think it's about starting at a very young age and empowering young girls to be okay. very aware of their health and to understand what's normal, what's not, when to ask for help, when to demand help. No. Um, you know, we've we've a lot of work to do to change our culture and how we treat women when they do come forward with, with a health complaint. So, yeah, again, so. Big, big improvements happening, but we've a long way to catch up. Totally. Uh, I started this minute post campaign about eight or nine years ago, Lisa, and purely because of all the stories that I heard in, in my clinics and so forth. And then from there, you know, it, it's by creating sort of changing the narrative, uh, sort of saying what was never said, because women didn't talk about menopause, obviously. They hid the sanitary towels under the, the sliced pan when they were going. So uh, I think by us all changing the narrative and then, you know, talking about it, getting on Joe Duffy, all this sort of thing. And then, of course, uh, the lovely thing was you then got involved and yourself and the minister um, really, you know, got behind it. And it's absolutely wonderful uh, that you have and the menopause hubs and everything. It's great, mm-hmm. Lisa. And, and once and once you see women's health and menopause at the top of the agenda, and as you said, this is just the start of it. We're now going to get back to look at women's periods, put more research into that, research into endometriosis, all of these things were never reached started. They really just looked at the end game, but they never looked as you saw with your sister. Then what about starting much earlier and trying to prevent these. So, so that's really where we're, you know, and all, all perimenopause, even women with premenstrual disorder where they suffer yeah. dreadfully, there's none of this been researched. So what's wonderful is that we have somebody now at government level and hopefully a, a future uh, Fianna Fáil Health Minister and maybe Taoiseach, um, hopefully Lisa. But um, it's wonderful and you, you, you're you working very well with the Minister for Health as well. So it's, we're, we're very privileged to, to have you there, Lisa. So it's it's fantastic. Thank you, Mary. And Stephen's been great. You know, it's been an open door. I remember when Stephen was our opposition spokesperson on health, mm. going back, probably going back five years now at this stage yes. and going to him about endometriosis. And he didn't really know a whole lot about it, as was yes. the norm for most people yes. to see the change. You know, he really he really took that issue on board and championed it. And when he had an opportunity to deliver, he he did so. Now, we've a lot more to do yet, uh, in, particularly in terms of more severe cases and the specialised surgeries that we need to be yes. able to provide here yes. in Ireland, because we're still exporting a lot of those women to, yes. to different countries. So, yes. but specialist clinics up and running now, it's um, it's a great start from where we came from. Exactly. And, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of work yet to do, but I do think ch- things have changed a lot, even in the last five years. Just totally. it's become more normalised to discuss these issues openly. And you know, like you said, we're, we're no longer ha- hiding the sanitary towels under the sliced mm. pan. You know, mm. I mean, mm. it just people aren't embarrassed as much. I'm not saying there isn't still a little bit of stigma attached, but totally. we're far more confident, I think, totally. as, an, as a as a nation in talking about these very normal totally. health And issues. I think, yeah, and I think sort of all of us females being educated, the, the Me Too movement came along. 
strong. Um, you know, that that all empowered us. We have to thank Marion Fanukin and all those wonderful women back in the 70s and 80s who started it all for us as well. And, and then I suppose we all came talking and we're all basically sharing the same goal, which is to empower women and to improve the legacy for, for the generations to come. So I, I think that's the thing. And a lot of women say to me that they, they almost feel like the women in their 70s and 80s, that it's about time <laughs> that women's issues were discussed, that they felt completely lost and shut away. And um, it's wonderful that, that they feel that, um, you know, things are going to be better for future generations. So it's, so it's great. Uh, what next on the agenda, Lisa, in terms of women's health? You were saying, endometriosis, what other things are you hoping to? And obviously menopause is going terrifically well um, with, with the menopause ups and everything. What else are you yeah. hoping to I, I think that the, the big ticket thing is um, I've been working quite closely with the ICGP, the Irish College of GPs. Yes. And they um, are very much pushing what they would see as a life cycle approach to women's health care. So having regular checkups at key intervals in a woman's life life cycle, because unlike men who kind of, it's, it's an acceleration through puberty and then it's, it levels off for a period. Mm. And then you'll see kind of maybe a downward slope in older age. Women have lots of different points where you've got puberty, then you may have, you know, your menstrual years, then you'll have maybe pregnancy, then you've got menopause. So we have these kind of bumps along the way. Mm. Um, so it's really about getting women into, I suppose, a habit of coming in at regular intervals, getting bloods taken, getting checked over and kind of being proactive about healthcare for women as opposed mm. to waiting until there's a problem. Exactly. And in, 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 in those circumstances, you should, for example, pick up endometriosis earlier. You yeah. should pick up perimenopause earlier. You should pick up, you know, where there are difficult menopause symptoms earlier. Yes, yes. So I think the, the life cycle approach has been advocated for um, the way the ICG would, ICGP would discuss it is we have a particular way we deal with, say, diabetes, for example, mm. or heart disease, where there's kind of a management of those mm. issues. So it's kind of having a more managed approach to women's health care, recognising that it's quite our, our health over the course of our life cycle is quite different to that of men in that we have these bumps and ups and downs. Yeah, well, we have hormones with periods every every month and that hormones uh, affect our immune system, create, we control our muscles, they control everything. So we, we have to realise that. And I suppose society has to appreciate that too. Um, yeah. One of the big things that I think needs to change, Lisa, is that we need to do a lot of education around periods. What's normal? You know, patients still come in and they, they think seven and eight day periods are normal, you know. Yeah. So we need to do a lot of education about that. And we need to even young girls still are coming in at 13 and 14 and into our clinics. And they're sort of surprised when you say that that's not normal. So we do need to do a lot of education to society about that because you'll only bring society forward if people feel comfortable to come forward, as with menopause, because we made it a big, you know, societal issue and brought it out and spoke about it in the open. Women then felt, should they rang Joe? for two weeks as you know you know mm-hmm. so it, yeah it, 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 but the, the, the space had to be opened for them to do so because they were sort of embarrassed before that yeah I'm actually um, interested you should bring up the education piece I'm actually working on a project um, with the group it's focusing a little bit on, on kind of endometriosis but actually we're working on an education pilot around menstrual education looking at the me program that was um that's been run in New Zealand for Brilliant. I think thir- I think 30 years now good, um good. Deborah Bush founded that and so we're looking at their program to see how we can adapt and implement that here in Ireland mm-hmm. um, with the view to maybe running a pilot first and maybe bringing right. it to the department after that so you're correct I think we need to educate young girls like what's normal what's not when okay. to ask for help what questions to ask totally. um 
you know, I think if we're relying on GPs to do everything, it's probably not reasonable no, to no, do that. I think you have to educate society as well so that mothers uh, can, you know, inform and, and fathers, because thankfully that, you know, we're bringing everything out in the open now, but they can, mm-hmm. they can feel that they can discuss these things and what's normal, what's abnormal, and they can then present to their GP for help. Uh, at a much earlier stage, which is just to be lovely rather than have the suffering that's going on, which is terrible. Yeah, and like, many women will say that they've had symptoms but didn't realise they had symptoms for exactly. a very long time before exactly. they ever sought help. And very often women get get diagnosed with endometriosis when they go to try and have children and they yeah. find they can't. So, so, so tragic, yeah, so tragic. Yeah. Yeah. They've left it too late and they've suffered for years as well unnecessarily. So that, that's the other thing. And even the whole premenstrual tension and some women feel so emotional around mid-cycle and around period time, all of that I think needs to be brought into the open because it does affect and has to affect a girl's self-esteem, you know, because um, she's function, right? Even in a leaving cert or a junior cert sitting, if you have all this hormonal and a heavy period going on, you know, there has to be, we have to bring that out into the open as well, don't we? Because for too long, Definitely. girls have just covered over and pretended everything is okay when it wasn't. Yeah, well, I suppose that, that was the expectation that you just got on with things. Yes. And, yeah, you know, yeah. what if you, these, this is the thing you didn't you didn't talk about it and you weren't encouraged to discuss it. So mm-hmm. that is that is changing. That is changing Thankfully. and it's becoming yeah, more yeah. normalised. Yeah. It is, yeah, yeah. But we have a lot of work to do in it as well. I suppose the area of osteoporosis, one at least, is what I see all the time. I get women coming in all, you know, and they're, you know, everything about menopause now, which is wonderful. But the only thing is that they still, a lot of them don't have their DEXA scans done. And even though the Irish Osteoporosis Society are brilliant, it, the message need, isn't getting to women saying, look, you've got to prevent, you've got to get your DEXs done and osteoporosis is actually, you know, a big issue and it's a cause of mortality, cause of fractures and cause of major discomfort and totally associated with menopause and you can prevent it. So it's something we need to... We well, that's um, that 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 says the, the the vision is that that will be dealt with through the life cycle approach, where you'll Brilliant. be regularly coming into your GP to discuss those types of issues, appropriate to where you are in your life in terms of age and what to expect and what to be proactive about. So, yeah, the idea is to kind of cut those things off at the past, really, um, and prevent rather than trying to treat after the fact. So um, couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, there's lots of pre- preventable issues women deal with that if we had gotten in that bit sooner, you know, we could have, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. And then you were talking about women and heart disease, Elisa. That are, is there a life cycle program as well with women and heart disease that you're going to focus on to educate women about that, or yeah, so to, well, the, to present earlier because as you said they don't always have the same you know symptoms as men. They don't always have chest pain, and you know they might be just present with shortness of breath and that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I think really that's probably something that has to happen in terms of GP training and, and doctor training. Mm-hmm. And I think that the medical profession are starting to acknowledge that there is that bias there. And yeah. um, I actually, that, that information I learned from a female doctor that works in emergency medicine. So she 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 yeah. actually spoke at my women's health conference last year yeah. and she was coming at it from that angle of the bias in healthcare. So I think the medical profession are becoming aware of that. And that really is a matter, I think, for them in terms of their training. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and I think we need to educate the public as well that these are the symptoms. You know, I know the Irish Heart Foundation are fantastic and I'm 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 on their spoke I'm a spokesperson for them, but they, they do their best to do it. But we have to get it out. It's it's not always that it gets out to the, the public domain, Lisa. And I yeah. suppose that's where at a political level um you, you will be listened to more. You know, there's there's probably um a, a way of trying to get women to listen, you know. Because, Definitely. you know, it's it's hard to try and get the, get the message out. And we, you do it through all different mediums, but it's it's very, very hard to do it. So what's next, Lisa, for you then? You're Senator, you're head of the Shannon. What does that involve, Lisa? 
So my role really, it's in some ways similar to the, the job of the Taoiseach in the doll, in that I take questions every day in what we would call order of business from opposition members. It's my responsibility to schedule the business of the House every week um, to liaise with government ministers to get, get time allocated for their legislation um, and to ensure then that the programme for government and the government's planned legislative programme is, 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 I suppose, delivered upon and, and brought through the House. So I kind of, I run the operational side of things in the Shannons and then obviously I'm leader of the Fianna Fáil group so I kind of manage that group of senators as well uh, and deal with any issues that might arise there. So it's interesting, it's varied, every week is different, um, you know, different members have different things they want to focus on, different debates they want to see scheduled mm -hmm. and obviously we have, um, you know, the odd disagreement on bills that are coming through and dealing with amendments and all of that. So, you know, yeah. the, the, the Shannon operates very similar to the Dáil in terms of the legislative process um, so very similar type of work. Uh, and then we schedule our own debates as well. So it's interesting. That'll be my focus for this year. I've just taken over the role and it'll be busy. Um, and uh, I'm also getting married this year. So that's another oh, thing to be looking for. Congratulations, Lisa. Well done. That'll be fabulous. Well yeah, done. yeah. So that's, oh, yeah, well, that's exciting. Yeah, and you have to make time for that as well, Lisa, because we only live life once. So you, you have to make yeah. sure that you make time for that. And, <laughs> yeah. and pencil in, in, in a lot of time too for the dress and so forth. Yeah, we'll be all Oh, don't worry. That, that's all done, Mary. All oh, done. good. Yeah. I'm delighted. I'm delighted. <laughs> <laughs> and Lisa, I suppose the, the other thing is that long term, I suppose you're, you're going to get, go into Dáil Éireann. Isn't that right? That's That's where you're... You're, you're aiming well, to. Who knows? Who knows? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I was there last term, um, so I don't know what the future is going to hold. I certainly want to continue with a career in politics. Yes. Um, but if I've learned anything the last decade doing the job, you know, you just never know what's around the corner. Yeah. Um, and it can be very hard to have a plan and predict what's going to happen. Yes. And all you can do is do the job that you have to the best of your ability while you're there. Um, yes. And, you know, what's meant to be will be. Would be absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, but having said that, it's great for us women to have someone who is so interested in women's health and to have a high profile. Um, so we would love to that you would proceed further. <laughs> you would probably like to go back into it all. I know you're doing brilliant things in the Shannon, but I'd say you would like to because you're very ambitious, uh, Lisa. You'd probably like. Yeah, to like I, I, I'd love to. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to, mm. love to go back to to, to the doll at some point. Um, mm. And who knows? I mean, I've. I've got a few years left to me yet, so uh, yeah. I don't intend to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, we need more. We, we need more women in the door. How do you think we're going to get more women into it? It's it's hard to attract people because of what we've spoken about earlier with the long hours and the. How do you think we're yeah, going to get that to, it, like sorted? It, it's a, it's a tricky one. I think it's it's creeping up slowly. Um, we've got twice about twenty four percent female representation at all forty in the Shannon. It's not great, you know. It, it needs to be higher. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think it is, I suppose it's, it really is down to the political parties, particularly the larger ones, mm. to do work in the constituencies to facilitate female candidates getting on the ticket to support them and actually getting elected. Really important totally, as well. Totally. Um, and I and do think there's a, there's a bigger responsibility on the, on the larger parties to do that because they get the most seats. So yeah. um, there's no silver bullet really, Mary. It's, it's as a, you know, there's lots of things that have been identified as, as barriers, things like access to financing for campaigns, to childcare, um, to a culture, there's 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 different barriers have been identified. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a longer term process. The, the gender quotas has helped in terms of getting women onto tickets, mm. but parties need to do a better job in supporting female candidates to yeah. actually get elected. Yeah, and I, I think as well is that I wasn't very impressed with the gender quota, being quite honest with you. I felt that there was women put up in areas where they were never going to get elected. 
And I, I myself wasn't impressed with that. I felt that they were getting their money back because they've, they've, they've fulfilled, you know, uh, putting women on the ticket. But if, if they had no chance of getting elected, I think you've got to be, you know, the whole idea is to get more women to the door, not just to fulfill a purpose. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I take that point, and it's I suppose it's it's an interesting way of looking at it. Mm. As somebody on the inside that can yes, see how the yeah, party structures work, yeah. Um, the quotas are necessary, in that they will take time to bed in. So I think for the first couple of of um, terms where parties are getting used to this, mm. they will, you know, th- they will be cobbling it together to a certain extent until mm. the structures over time change to yeah. genuinely facilitate the, the, the extra candidates. And mm-hmm. that will happen. And it start because even within my own party, and I know the same is true of Fine Gael and the other bigger parties as well, you know, there's, the conversation is, has now normalised. We need women. Where are they? We need to get them on the, on the tickets. We need to support them. So it, it, it definitely, I suppose, um, hastened the, the change internally in terms of the culture. Good. And it may not have looked great in the first couple of cycles, but it will have the desired effect ultimately and it was needed because the change wouldn't have happened otherwise. Absolutely. You'd love to that would follow like for in Europe for example you see with the sports the, the funding they won't have it unless they're 40% females and you sort of feel like we're 51% of the population where you get your 40% figure don't you? You know with the well, it's 40 um, it's 40% on the ticket for the next general election and that's 40% women and 40% men and the final 20% can be can be either okay. um, and it's, it's on the ticket not elected so some okay. countries have a quota in terms of the percentages that have to be elected, which is which right. is quite different because I think at, at that point you could argue you're probably removing the choice from the electorate to a certain extent. Right. So I was I, I was talking about the sports sports. You know the way they've brought in a thing where you get funding provided you're forty percent. Oh yes, yes, your sports yes. Board. But I sort of when I saw that I thought, well, we're fifty one percent, fifty percent of the population, so we needed fifty percent. <laughs> and I suppose we have to we have to keep objecting, don't we, Lisa, to get to that that magic equality that we're all striving to get to. Yeah, like I think, you know, we, we definitely want to improve the diversity of representation in both houses. And that's not just on gender. There's lots of other areas where we're deficient yeah. as well, where, you know, our, our, our parliament does not look representative of the country, um, right, if we're mm. honest about it. Yes, so um, I think that the, the gender balance is is one that we've all committed to addressing and that's mm. happening. Um, the quotas will have an effect in time. And it's mm. definitely, it has just changed the mechanics of how the parties work internally, which yeah. will not be, you know, it may not be evident or visible mm. to those outside, but it is it is impacting in a positive okay. way. Exactly. The only reason we want it as women is that we want women's issues addressed. Now, the Minister of Health has been fantastic, uh, obviously, yeah. in looking after women's issues, and, and that's brilliant. But I suppose that that's one of the reasons we want, we sort of feel that women's issues have been left behind, and they most definitely were left behind. So I suppose it's that's one of the reasons we, we're all pushing for that, Lisa. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and I think you can already see with the increased uh, number of women in, in the Shannon and all, those debates are already happening. We're talking about female issues a lot more. You know, you think about women's health, but also violence against women, domestic yes, violence. Yes. You know, there's been, there's been a greater focus and obviously we have a female justice minister and you can see mm. that the impact that's had. So it is, ha- you know, where you see increased numbers, you do see a different type of debate and policy development. So, um, you know, more, yeah. more of that, definitely. And even the maternity leave, which is, was terrific to see as well, that, that uh, Helen did, that was, that was terrific. You know, yeah, to, as well as good to lead by example, and yeah, it's just exactly you know that's been normalised now, which is exactly, great. Yeah, which is which is fantastic, which is fantastic. So, Lisa, the the wedding is this year. You're mm-hmm. leader of the Shannon, so you're you're um, progressing with that. You have your lovely little baby boy. Uh, so, so, what else is on the agenda for this year? 
Um, I think that might be enough, Mary. I, mean, if, I can, <laughs> I think if I can, if I can be a good mother and do my job well, and then have a great day at the wedding, I'll be very happy. That'll be a good 2023, I think, yeah. if we can do all of that. It'll be fantastic, and may almost be yeah. very proud as well, Lisa. Obviously, you know, uh, I'm sure they're exceptionally proud of you uh, to, to have you presenting because you've really hit the, the headlines with women's issues, which has been fantastic. I mean, you really oh, thank, thank you, Mary. Um, no, lovely. no, and, and it's been wonderful to have you championing it because, as we said, there's you know we can be talking about it but we need somebody to really get us to government level and to affect legislation and get change and that that's the only way we're going to get it so it's it's very important that we have somebody like you at the table and obviously the Minister of Health has been absolutely fantastic as well and you have yeah. this year which is wonderful and, yeah. and, and you both get on very well so obviously oh, we do, yeah. All, yeah, it's all working in, in everyone's favour so, so that's fantastic it's brilliant well Lisa you're following in very good uh, footsteps as I said with Mairead McGuinness who was who on this Empowering Podcast and also uh, President Mary McAleese. And one of the reasons we set this up, Lisa, was just to empower women, uh, to educate them about health, but also to introduce some great mentors like yourself, Mairead, and um, and Mary McAleese as to what got ye into politics and what, you know, how ye progressed and and also to incite more women to, to go for their dream. Because uh, as you said, politics, it's a difficult one. Uh, you have mm-hmm. an awful lot, in most, an awful lot of careers, you have a lot of uh, discipline and sacrifices, but you particularly have it in the political career um, and, and and well done to you. I like that ring, Lisa. I'm really enjoying oh. that ring. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> well spotted, <laughs> It's beautiful. It's beautiful. No, we're, Thanks, we're very Mary. proud of what you've done, Lisa. And, and thank you so much for joining us uh, today and Lovely. wishing you the very, very best. I hope you achieve everything. And um, I, I'm delighted to, to have been joined by today. So thank you so much. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks so much, Mary. Thanks for having Not me on.